When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in Rose City to the Soccer Made in Portland podcast. Ryan Clark here with Chris Reifer. It was a... Back and forth weekend for fans of PTFC, uh, starting out with a 0-0 draw for the Portland Timbers against the Galaxy, the shorthanded, as we will discuss later in the podcast, Portland Timbers. And shorthanded LA Galaxy. And yeah, also the shorthanded LA Galaxy playing to what can only be described as one of the worst soccer matches in the history of the sport. That was awful. And really terrible. In better news, much more fun, exciting, positive news. Purely the Portland fantastic. Thorns, oh, they 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 have were fantastic on Sunday, four zero over the Orlando Pride. The Portland Thorns win, um, really comprehensive performance from a team that is looking exactly like the one that won the championship last year, if not better. You, you look at the different players on the field who contributed. Hina Sugita was all over the place just dusting fools left and right and, and making great plays. Christine Sinclair running harder and playing with greater force than I saw all of last season. She's got that, you know, world cup mindset already in the first game of, of her club season. Uh, Sophia Smith doing what she does best, uh, maybe not as lethal as she normally is, but yeah, didn't have to be when the rest of her team. Scored a goal. Pretty, pretty lethal. Scored a goal. Scored a goal, had goal an assist. Are, we, are, we, are we throwing dirt on a multiple goal contribution <laughs> game here? See, that's the thing. It's like, she's so great that like a multiple goal contribution game, you can and you're find. Like, yeah, it could have been more. Could have been better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, she was great uh, in, in all honesty, but it, it definitely um, was a, a full team effort on the part of the Thorns. A couple good saves from Bella Bixby. Uh, the defense was superb in in limiting Orlando's opportunities. Uh, veteran back line that had no issues in communication and execution. Um, you you said on Twitter that they hardly put a foot wrong, and I think that that is an excellent way to describe it. It was it was really an excellent performance. Yeah, you know, and and uh, you know, I'll start with the grain of salt, uh, just to kind of get it out there on the front end so we can just apply it to all of our comments going forward and nobody can criticize us because that's the most important thing. Just making sure we can't be criticized. Uh, the grain of salt is that the Orlando pride are really bad. Uh, they are, they are who we thought they were, which is not much. Uh, and they are going to be toward the bottom of the league again this year. Uh, and that's, I, they looked every, every single bit of that uh, in, in their performance on opening day. Uh, so, you know, we can leave that as a standing comment. That said, the Thorns played in the way you would expect a very good team to dispatch with a very bad team on their home field. That's exactly what you want to see. From basically the opening whistle uh, to the closing whistle, there was no question who was going to win that game. Uh, the Thorns were always going to win it. They were always going to win it by multiple goals. They were up multiple goals in the first half, and the Pride never looked like they had even a, a prayer of making anything out of the game. And that is great work, especially in the first week of the season. That's really impressive stuff to come out and have a totally drama-free, completely dominant performance, even on their home field, is something that, frankly, we didn't see from a lot of the other contenders around the league, right? 
the the wave really struggled with a Red Stars team that I think a lot of us expected to take a little bit of a step back after some off offseason attrition uh, from from Chicago. They went to San Diego, who I think you and I and basically everybody else uh, think will be one of the best teams in the league this year at a I think Snapdragon Stadium. I think we're getting that right uh, with thirty thousand plus in attendance, and it took a late Alex Morgan penalty to to win it for San Diego. That wasn't the story of Providence Park even a little bit. Uh, and I think that's a credit to the players. I think that's a credit to the job that Mike Norris has done. Uh, there's always a lot of, I mean, look, when you inherit something like the job that he has over the year, there's a lot of impulse to come in and, and really put your stamp on things. And I think he has, but in a way that hasn't undermined all of the things that were already good. And we saw both some little changes. They pressed a little bit more. They created a few more turnovers in, in their attacking half. They did some things that, that were uh, that were a little bit different than things that they did, did in years past. But they also just kept the core of what they do, which is be direct. And I thought in the first 15 minutes or so of the game, they tried to use the ball a little bit more to unbalance the pride. And I didn't think they were bad, but it just it just wasn't quite working. And at some point, in about 15 or 20 minutes into the first half, they kind of said, to heck with this, all gas, no brakes, we're just going to pump these guys. And that's exactly what happened. Oh. Yeah, I mean, they, they played the way that they did all of last year, and that's just, you know, throw as much at the wall as you can and see what sticks, and often something yeah. sticks. You right? know, and, it's, it, yeah, and, they're and dangerous my, as heck. You, you, you bring up Christine Sinclair. In the first 15 minutes or so of the game, I thought her selection was a big mistake. Because when they were trying to use the ball a bunch and they were switching the field a lot, I was really concerned that they weren't getting the mobility out of her in the eight spot that they get from Rocky Rodriguez uh, and that they weren't being able to sort of create the overloads by moving their eight around, which is how you do it a lot when you're in a 4-3-3 and you're really trying to use the ball uh, to sort of unbalance the opponent. You see the, the U.S. men's national team plays in the same basic set and kind of does exactly that. And they use their eights a ton to be able to create those imbalances. And I just didn't think she was be, she was able to get around enough to do that. But then they were sort of then when they went more direct, she became the exact correct selection, uh, and she became an absolute menace uh, for 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 the pride. Was involved in both of the goals in the first half, uh, and and the game was over. Yeah, and that in particular that second goal where she just full sprinted hard as hell up up towards the um the pride back line and, and they just didn't were not ready for her. Yeah. She she was going so hard to the point where um without stopping she she got to the ball uh and pushed through to to be able to put a ball back for Sophia Smith, which that's the easiest goal that Soph's gonna have all year. Yeah. <laughs> that she's probably gonna have a few Sinclair. that are exactly that easy. <laughs> that's true but by her own volition right she made them easy for herself yeah. through uh through just being unbelievably skilled fast everything else i mean the the chasm between these two clubs right now is unbelievable you, you think about the the quality of play between the timbers and the thorns um just being at both games saturday and sunday it's it's just like a jekyll and hyde type of situation um, it's such a joy to watch the Thorns team play, uh, and you know, for fans of the sport in general, whether you're a Portland fan or not, um, they're must see TV. They're they're a team that you have to tune in to see, to, not only for the star power, but the way that they play the game is is just so pure and exciting. It, it's it for soccer nerds such as yourself. It's it's got to be a, a real a real treat. The Thorns are my favorite Portland soccer team to watch right now. And it is not close. It is not, <laughs> not, not even close at all. The Thorns are fun to watch. They have players that if you love soccer are just an absolute delight. I am. And, and this is, this is no, no surprise because I basically just tweet about it or talk about it on this podcast every week. I am an absolute Sam coffee stand. In part because I love central midfielders. I love holding mid really good playmaking holding midfielders in particular. And like just watching the way that she dictates a game is an absolute joy. It is phenomenal. 
And if you love soccer, that like it doesn't get a lot better than watching this Thorns team right now. And look, I, I've got a, I've got a message because there were more people at the Timbers game than there were at the Thorns game, right? There were more people at the Timbers game on Saturday than than at the Thorns. I've got a message for every Portlander out there who is watching the Timbers but is not watching the Thorns. Stop denying yourself nice things. You deserve nice things. And the thorns are a very nice thing. So watch the thorns, for goodness sake. Watch the thorns. The timbers have, have, have not always been that rewarding to watch. Give yourself something nice. Go get some tickets to, 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 to a thorns game. Watch this team play soccer because they are an absolute joy. To that point, tickets to thorns games are cheaper than tickets to timbers <laughs> games. Uh, the product on the field uh, is quite a bit better, uh, and and it, I, it just it, it felt like a more fun atmosphere. I don't know, maybe maybe just because of the the nature of that uh, that Timbers game. Obviously, it's it's usually louder. There's usually more people at Timbers games. The than nature of the every Timbers game at Providence Park this year is lumped into the same into the same category. They have all been bad. Yeah, yeah, it's been rough, and and you know, understandably so. But beyond but stay the comparisons, on the thorns, yeah. Let's 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 discuss the the actual team that that is succeeding rather than comparing them to their counterparts. Um, you know, the we we talked a lot in preseason about the the depth of this thorns team, about the the talent they're returning, the veteran leadership. All of that showed itself on Sunday, and something that that was talked about, but we didn't really know if it would be there. Um, after the championship last year was the hunger. I mean, Christine Sinclair is a great example is somebody who doesn't have to come into a season going zero to a hundred very, very quick uh, in, in her very first match of the club season. She could theoretically take it a little easier, save what she has left in the tank for the world cup, but she's not doing that. She is a high level competitor and she's surrounded by high-level competitors of varying experience. And and that's, I think, what is the most exciting about this group is, is not, you know, they're returning all these best 11 players. They've got club legends and, and legends for country on their team. It's that they really want it. And and that is not always the case for, for great sports teams. They, they can get that championship and potentially rest on their laurels and and they are not resting. They are, they want it badly. And the change in coach appears to be zero difference in terms of not only that hunger, but the, the performance on the field, if anything, the continuity that the club talked about in the off season with Mike Norris appears to be intact. This, this is the team we thought they were. Yeah. And you know, mind you, it is one game. Uh, we've seen teams before that looked phenomenal in week one that 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 went into rough patches and kind of went on the skids after that, and so they've got a lot of work yet in front of them. But I mean that I mean that was sort of exactly my takeaway. What you just said coming away from the game that this is exactly the team we thought it was, and uh, and I think that's that's a great thing. Now I want to. Everybody's been given, you know, all of the the, the social medias and the likes to uh to Hina Sugita just absolutely owning some fools to set up the thorns. I think it was their fourth goal, their their fourth and final goal, uh before everybody uh you know uh before, you know, I think Soph or whoever it was went out and took the microphone and said, Are you not entertained? Um yeah and 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 so, you know, I mean she she sort of got herself, if you haven't seen it, go find the video. It's great. Uh, she got herself into a place where she was, she was, she had the ball. She was all alone. She was, you know, under pressure from two defenders and she just back heels the ball between them and like spins out of it and leaves one of them literally on the ground. The other one questioning life choices uh, before releasing Sophia Smith up the, up, up the sideline uh, to uh, eventually set up that goal. So that's been getting all the social media that, that, little heel turn uh from from Sugita and I get it I I understand why I've been going back and forth in my head though 
between in terms of the moment of the game between that or the sort of like the individual play of the game between that and the video I tweeted yesterday that I think is just like insane of there was a moment in the first half in which uh, it was, if you remember the the play and maybe you even referred to this earlier in which Sophia Smith put one off, off the post and she was put through on goal because Sam coffee made a really nice read on an Orlando pass. Uh, actually, she when you watch the full video, she sort of baited the pass. Then she read it, picked it off, took one touch, and then fired like a 50-yard outside of the boot ball that she put exactly in the path of Smith to put her in on goal. That was, like between those two moments, I can't decide. What was it, sort of like the better individual effort? Yes, you know, Sugita's gets the like, you know, kind of the and one mixtape kind of kind of flash. But like Coffee's gets the holy smokes, that is incredible soccer uh kind of stuff. So I, I don't know, as between the two. Folks can weigh in, you can weigh in. I, I, I can't pick. It's it's hard. They're both really incredible moments. You know, some people would give the Sugita one an edge because it eventually led to the, the goal. Um Whereas, you know, Coffee's moment, while it was as perfect a ball as one could possibly put in there, I mean, if you put a, a tiny little soccer ball-sized bucket exactly in the spot that would be like the 100% accuracy perfect spot, she would have put it right in there, and it would have yeah. would have stuck in the bucket. Like, it wouldn't have even hit the sides of the bucket on the way down. The first thing it would have hit no. is the bottom of the bucket. Yes, that that was how perfect it was. Um, and Soph was so upset with herself that she didn't finish that yeah, off. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, actually, that's yeah. actually the question I was going to ask you. You look like you're gearing up to say Sugitas is better because it led to a goal. Are you saying that Sophia Smith denied Sam Coffey the moment of the game? Yes, I actually am. I, I she, she normally finishes those off, and you could tell – that it ate, ate her up inside, not only because she personally missed out on a goal, but because she knows that that ball from Sam was unreal. And uh, it, it was a great moment, but it, it does get lost in, in the weeds when you think about the Sugita moment in, in a number of ways. One, obviously, that it, it led to the goal. And two, that Sugita, um, she she's, you know, an unassuming person. She's very sweet, very kind. Um and as a result of that, I think that folks don't necessarily give her enough credit for how valuable she is to this Thorns team. I, I think that Sam Coffey unquestionably is, is one of the MVPs of this team. But when you think about pure skill, pure you know ability to change a game with one touch, Hina Sugita is up there. And she has proven to be an excellent signing to to fill the void and then some for the the absence of Lindsay Horan while she's been on loan. <laughs> That's another conversation entirely. How do you fit all of these players on the field together when when Horan comes back if she comes back in the question. summer? That is a major question, but um Sugita deserves the credit, I think, um for the pure skill she displays but also her importance to to the build up uh and and to finishing on the attack. I mean, she she ran through contact to finish her goal. Yep. And and that is somebody who, when she runs into a lot of NWSL center backs, she is, is not in the same weight class. That is well, and a, that was the very challenging. Year, yeah, right? Yeah. Is that she, she was having a hard time adjusting to the league physically. Yeah. She's adjusted. Yeah, she has clearly adjusted. And, and not only is she, you know, capable of dealing with contact, but she's seeking contact. And, and that added in with her obvious world-class skill um, makes her an incredibly dangerous winger. And then on the other side, you have Morgan Weaver who absolutely exploded in this game from the very beginning, finished off a, the a, opener. a great one for the opener. Yeah. With, which was weirdly and, and Weaver pointed this out post game and I looked it up and sure enough, she was correct. Essentially the exact same play that opened up the 2022 season. Huh. Sink fired a, a ball in, it came off the keeper, and, and Weaver finished it off. It was like weirdly, and I, I don't have the video editing skills of others to, to mash those together, but 
maybe some folks over at PTFC or well, and, and you know, else. I mean, we'll, if, if we'll we're find it, if we're having deja vu to open the season, I think there are a lot of people who would not object to also having some deja vu to close the season. Uh, but you know, I yeah, I I think you, I think you're spot on though to to sort of highlight Sugita. If you were to ask me sort of what the core of this Thorns team is, and not even necessarily speaking from a leadership perspective, but just who are sort of the central players who make this team tick? I think it's Becky Sauerbrunn. I think it's Sam Coffey. I think it's Sophia Smith. And I think it's Hina Sugita. Um, I, th- I think that is, that is year four. They, you know, if, if you could only save, sort of protect four players to keep this team together, those would be the four that I would protect. Uh, and, and I think Sugita is often not put in that category, but I think she absolutely belongs there in part because she can play a few different positions and very effectively. Uh, but also because, you know, I, you just see when you s- sort of sit back and watch the thorns from a higher level, like, you know, 10,000 foot perspective, so much of the game runs through Sugita. So much of the game runs through Sugita. Uh, and, and that's, you can't, that is really hard to replace finding that person. Whenever the thorns are in a little bit of a tight spot, they often look to Sugita to get them out of it when they need to solve a problem. It is with the ball in particular. It's often Sugita who is at the heart of solving that problem. And then she clowns fools, which is also really fun. So yeah, I, I think she's absolutely in that core. Uh, I think it's been a tremendous signing, uh, and and is one that that uh, that I think has has you know been a bit of a game changer for the club when there were real questions going into 2022 about how the Thorns were going to manage missing Lindsay Horan. And now that Sugita has also found a place to thrive on the wing, I think there is more of a path to welcome Horan back into the team if that's what comes to pass uh, in, in the summer. Well, not. Uh, necessarily pushing, uh, you know, part of your core out of position. So uh, I, I think it's it's a huge credit to her. She's clearly made adjustments as she's adjusted to the league. But when you have a competitor like her, somebody who uh, is, I mean, what what just oozes when you watch her is how intelligent she is. I mean, she's like the technical stuff. That's obvious, right? Everybody sees that. But she's a brilliant player. And I don't mean brilliant in like the way the, you know, that that like Mark Parsons would use it. Uh, I mean, brilliant in the way, in the way that, I, that I would more often use it, which is like, she's really, really, really smart. Oh, um, yeah. She makes great decisions on the field. And, and, and she outthinks opponents and she has the technical ability to do the things that she dreams up. Uh, and that's, uh, that's a rare combination to have. And she, she's got it all and the thorns have feasted from it. And what a great team for a player like her to, to be on, to finally be fully meshing with this group after a year under her belt like that's that's tremendous it is uh and you know i think i i I think it it, she is one of the reasons why you look at this team and you look at their 2022 which is obviously very good uh but then you say well shoot you know sugita now has her first year in nwsl under her there's some upside there so sophia smith is still developing so, I mean, just a, in, 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 in her part of the career. So there's some upside there. Sam Coffey is only in her second year playing this position that she's played very well. Still 20, just turned 24 uh, at the end of last year. There's still some upside there. That's three, that's three of the, the, the four core people we just talked about. Who you think may have unexplored upside, upside to date. Uh, and that's, I mean, that is exactly why you, you can sort of look at this team and say, Hey, 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 you know, don't assume just because they didn't make a lot, make a lot of changes from 2022 that they can't be better. There's still some space to explore. Uh, and, and I think they made a statement in their, their opening game, uh, about their ability to do that. I also want to give one more shout out to somebody who I really hadn't been sure about to date, but who I thought had a really good substitute performance not just because she scored a goal but because she, i think she just had a, a good substitute performance and that's uh that's vasconcelos i thought this was the best i've seen her in a thorns uniform just all together um and you know it's it's an interesting spot because there's a little bit of uncertainty about who's going to sort of fit the uh the the yasmin ryan role so to speak kind of the first attacker off the bench winger who's going to introduce 
uh, winger or forward who's going to introduce a little bit of a change of pace into the game. And I wasn't sure it was going to be her, uh, very genuinely. Uh, I, I thought uh, Izzy Diakila looked maybe more likely to fit that role, and that's still very possible. Yeah, Hannah Bedford, another one. Hannah Bedford, like, yeah. I, I basically thought those were the three who were kind of competing for being filling that role, being a prominent uh, piece of the team during the World Cup, but also being a really consistent, you know, I wouldn't say quite super sub, but but, you know, Pretty regular first or second attacker off the bench. Oh, and I thought Vasconcelos actually had a performance uh, against the the Pride that suggested that she's up to it. Um, I hadn't seen it to date. She'd been getting she got the start obviously in, uh, in in preseason. I candidly I scratched my head a little bit about that, but I think she showed why I was wrong to scratch my head uh, about that. And and that's going to be an interesting conversation uh, going forward. Uh, and credit to her for uh, a good substitute performance, not just in scoring a goal. She deserved the goal, frankly, because she came in and, and created problems for for the pride. The Thorns played through her a lot. She was constantly releasing uh, down that left side uh, and and getting into space. And that's exactly what you want. So credit yeah. to her. Yeah, she had a great, great performance. And uh, one of the better quotes of, of the day, too, where she said that, you know, if Sophia Smith has the ball, get in the box. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> pretty simple stuff. Pretty, pretty, uh, pretty heady play. And, and she, she made a heady play in, in getting in position to, to get that ball from self. And, and just to go back to heaping more praise on, on Smith, <laughs> because we do that a lot. Oh, yes. The knock on Sophia Smith historically. And I think this is still there. I think this is a, this is sort of one of the few, like kind of weaknesses you can find in her game is that she's not, always a great and particularly not always a super decisive box passer. Uh, she sometimes has a little bit of tunnel vision uh, in the box, which look, this is not a big problem for a number nine. You would far prefer that a number nine has sort of like goal scoring tunnel vision than the opposite. Right. And so this is who, who do we think of? That's the opposite. Who can we, <laughs> who can we point to in, in the world of Portland soccer? That's potentially an, opposite? maybe, maybe we'll come back to that. Uh, okay. but, <laughs> uh, but you know, I, I mean, I, that, that she sometimes has a little bit of, uh, of tunnel vision and there were times last year where she got into spots where it's like an easy pass and it's a, it's, it's a, a you know, tap in goal. That fourth goal, she had one thing in mind, get to the byline and get the ball in for somebody like Vasconcelos to come finish. And it was one of the more decisive playmaking moves that I've seen from Smith, Look, as a striker, Smith is a really good finisher, obviously. She is, and people don't talk about this as much, I think she's the best hold-up player in the country. She is super, super, super strong and holds off defenders with ease. So the Thorns can and do play through her a ton, uh, especially when they're being when they're sitting a little bit deeper and being a little bit more direct, which I think is is their best moments. They play through her a ton. Uh, and she can either hold up for the purpose of linking with another with a teammate, or she can hold up for creating for herself off the dribble. But she, I think she's the best hold up striker in the country. If there was a knock, it's that she hasn't always made the right decisions in the box. There is an instance in which she got the ball. She had a clear design. She was going to, she was going to make the play and she did it. If she adds that to her game consistently, good night nurse. Yeah, there's seriously no way to stop her. Like, there were times where teams would force her into a distributing role last year, and she she might struggle, or she she might get frustrated with the double and triple teams, and and essentially run into a wall. And yet she was still dominant, still won MVP, still had a great season. But that was definitely the the drawback, and and something that when Rian Wilkinson was the coach, she she talked about publicly trying to to work on with Sof and. Um, you can already see the signs of, of that having been worked on and, and her competitive desire to, to improve. Um, you know, the, the, the next game I think is going to be obviously a greater test against this Kansas city. Huge game. Team. It's a huge game. Really uh, fun to have a really big game like this. So early in the season, it, it, I is, know, it is last year's champions in a rematch of the title yeah. game I, t- uh, of, of the title match against the team that everybody sort of has pointed at as the most improved over the course of the off season. Huge one massive and 
I would say that it's not as telling, I think, as a game against the, with these two teams later in the season might be, given the injury situation that uh, KC is in with some of its key players, Dabinia being among them. Yeah. Um, given that it's early in the year, and, and I would say that one of these two teams is far more in form than the other in terms of what its final form is going to be come playoff time. Uh, that's the thorns yeah. obviously. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, it, it has the potential to, to not necessarily be a tell all for what the postseason might look like if these two teams meet again, which if you had to pick two teams to, to meet in the final, that would probably be the most likely matchup is, is a repeat, right. With, with San Diego, maybe sneaking in there and saying, Hey, what about us? Yeah. But Regardless, it's an exciting matchup. It's on big CBS. It's a little early. It's it's a little brunch with the Thornies on Saturday, uh, 9.50 a.m. kickoff. Get brunch with the Thorns on Saturday. Get some Do brunch. It. You know, make some eggies. Just get a little, uh, get a little. Some eggies. Egg action going. Yeah, make some eggies, man. All right. I'm I'm just trying to be just add a little cuteness to this podcast. It, it gets so self serious sometimes. We, <laughs> we we just we need to we're like, gonna make some the... eggies. We're gonna we're gonna drink some mimosas and we're gonna you know <laughs> <laughs> a little toasty toast. You know yeah. nothing nothing it's, wrong with that on gonna, a on a Saturday morning. It'll be, be great. It'll be perfect. No some some eggs, Benny maybe. Oh some Bennies. Uh yeah, a little Bennies. Uh, that would be excellent. Uh, some OJ. Yeah, I, that that all sounds like a good morning to to enjoy the thorns, and I think it'll be a competitive and exciting match. You know, despite the injuries that Casey is dealing with, that's a team that's got a lot to prove, and what better opportunity to prove oneself than against the team that outmatched you in that championship game, and and to prove like, hey, we're here, we wanna we wanna contend with these people. So it's it's big. And for the thorns, I think it's all upside, right? It's a road game, so there's not a ton of pressure. Uh, it's a road game against a good team, so there's not a ton of pressure. But it's also one where if they win, like the message is out for the league. Like if you want to come at the Queens, you you best not miss. Uh, and and so it's a it's a huge opportunity, I think, for the Thorns really to send a message. If they go into to KC and they do Frank, even what they did to him last year, KC drew that game in Kansas City uh, last year, but that was a really fortunate draw. The Thorns were all over them in Kansas City. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, you know, I think it, 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 it set the tone that game really for what we saw in the title, which was not particularly competitive. And if the thorns go and do that again, messages out, uh, and, and that would be pretty cool. Thorns as, as villains and WSL tyrants is something that I embrace wholeheartedly. And I think that's exactly the position, uh, that they would put themselves in. Yeah, and they potentially will be wearing their uh, their villain uniforms that's, that's with the, uh, right. with the uh, the new white kits with the the Ed Hardy tattoo vibes, um, and and that has kind of been part of the uh, embracing of those kits is the idea that they're kind of like the the bad girl kits. You know, I, the, I could the see black it. rose was really the first time where I was like, all right, we are the dark yeah, that, side. <laughs> that was pretty cool. I I kind of wish that still the best you know, kit in NWSL history, by the way. Oh yeah, maybe in America, like one of the best kits in American soccer history. Yeah, it, it's an awesome one, and and like I, a ton of people own it. You know, you see it all over the place whenever you, oh, you yeah. go to Thor's for good games. Reason. So, um, I, that made me think too of of the warm up kit that the Thorns had on on Sunday. Um, it's it like was... the the tattoo removal kit where they're like, all right, we <laughs> we removed the the chest tattoo. Now it's just the, we just got the the shoulders. Yeah, and it was black and and red, and and it was really cool. I I think that something like that would be an interesting alternate jersey if you're keeping with the the tattooed rose vibes. But <laughs> either way, um, you know, Saturday morning, make some eggies, enjoy the thorns. <laughs> <laughs> it'll it'll be on at nine fifty a.m. on on CBS. Uh, that should be an exciting one. Later in the day, uh, in the evening time, this let's the, say when you're hungover from the mimosas. The when your your headache sets in <laughs> because you haven't had a mimosa in a few hours, uh, the Portland Timbers will kick off and you'll just put your you know face in your hands and say, "Oh God, I I need an Excedrin," <laughs> right? 
it's been a rough go for the Timbers. How much Excedrin do you think Gio Savarese has taken over the last few weeks? Uh, We're talking like bottles, right? <laughs> Hopefully not more than is prescribed. Let's say that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Gio uh, has had plenty of headaches, plenty of things to worry about. Um, you know, the injuries are obviously the big one. It has decimated their entire lineup to a point of not even fielding a competitive team for the last two weeks. More than decimated. Yes, you, you, annihilated. You, you want nerdiness here? Yeah, go uh, for decimated it. actually means means to remove ten percent of something. So his lineup has been more than decimated. Really? Yeah, Desi. That's a, that. Yeah, I I get it, but okay. like, wow, I did I didn't know that. That's, yeah, I know. mean, it, it's taken on sort of a colloquial definition of like, you know, to destruction, de- destroy or, uh, entirely. But strictly speaking, it means to to you know remove or take away ten percent of something. Wow. So we are beyond decimation. No, we are beyond 10%. Take that times like eight, essentially. They're they're playing at like 20% capacity right now with, with the guys that are out. Um, and more out now. You got the potential for Marvin Luria to have a hamstring issue. You got the potential for um, an extended absence for David Bingham with his very that clear one hamstring injury. That one looked worse than Luria's. Luria's almost looked like he was just cramping up. So I wouldn't necessarily expect him to even be out on Saturday, but um, they are getting a couple guys back. You know, Dirona Spria, David Ayala should be available on Saturday. Evander should be available on Saturday. How many minutes they can play probably depends on the individual and how they're recovering from their specific yeah, injury. I, I mean, you'd anticipate think... Evander would play more yeah, than the other two I think that's right. Sure. Given that especially Espria and Ayala missed all or refreshing my memory, maybe almost all of preseason, You've got to think that they're probably not available for more than a 15 to 20 minute stretch in their first outing. And it's probably a, a couple or a few weeks yet until they're ready to, you know, play starters minutes. Evander, you'd hope, would be more prepared to step back into a starting role given that it's only been a couple week layoff. Yes. And that'll be helpful. And I think that it will make some things easier. But regardless of the personnel who's on the field right now, the Timbers are just playing wooden spoon soccer across the board it's 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 hard to find really a lot of positives in the season so far beyond that uh obviously the season opening victory over sporting kc and the nice moment for Teggy ikoba and what was otherwise an absolute thrashing down in atlanta um and saturday saturday against the galaxy was a a thrashing of of every fan who tuned in to watch that game yeah, if you if you chose to watch we lost that game, five one start to finish like the yeah. teams drew zero zero but we lost five one. <laughs> it was a major L. Uh, and as a journalist who is paid to attend these games in in full, uh, it's one of those ones that you, that you're kind of like, oh, what what could I have else have I been doing with my <laughs> evening? You know, it's like it's like you go to work if you're a normal person if you have like an actual job where you're going in nine to five and there's just nothing to do the entire day, but you, your job indicates that you cannot, you know, depart do from your desk else. or do something else. I mean, you could play games on your computer. Yeah. But you're still in the office. You're not relaxed. There's this tension in your body. And that's what it's like watching the Timbers right now. It's just like, Oh God, another one of these, but you know, that's, that's not a disparagement to any of these individual players. Obviously they're, they're trying mostly, and <laughs> you know, and you know, Geo is trying to make it work, and it's it's and he's a messy situation with the, with the injuries. Yeah, it's playing with like a twenty percent deck yeah. of cards right now. He's got like the the you know, not a lot of uh, face cards in the deck for for Geo right now. A so it's, jokers. it's rough. Yeah, <laughs> they uh, they got rid of one of their favorite jokers uh last year when they they got rid of jvr um he was he was he was was quite the entertain entertainer despite (laughs) entertain somebody everything yeah i laughed sometimes um but either way you know this has been a really difficult stretch for for the timbers obviously another storyline that popped up out of that game was alias ivicic and his um beef with geo savarese that appears to have tempered down a bit things things have cooled off 
uh, as the days have gone by, but he, he did reach out to me and he said that, you know, uh, Gio Savarese was essentially lying, saying that he wasn't healthy going into this game, that he's been healthy since day one of the season. And Gio has opted for Bingham more often than not in goal. Now the dynamic has shifted a bit to where things are a little less tense. Gio thinks that the folks have over-dramatized this a bit. He, he spoke a lot about the locker room being a positive environment and you know, took the situation with Eric Williamson last year as an example. You know, Eric didn't play in the final game of the year. Um, Gio at the time said it was about effort and training. Uh, after the game, Eric posts a, a meme on his Instagram. Uh, find at, out. Yeah, that meme. And, uh, and everything seemed a little tenuous and there started to be swirling discussion online about, you know, is Williamson going to get traded? He's still here. He's playing and thriving. I, I think thriving is a strong word, position. but go ahead. Sure. <laughs> Maybe an overstep, but I think he's, he's doing better than the rest of his teammates in general. Fair, low bar, but fair. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's um, look there, there are as Geo said yesterday. There are obviously going to be disagreements among you know players and coaches. That's inevitable. The thing to keep an eye on is whether or not this is a sign of a larger cultural issue, right? Because you know losing begets uh, insecurity, begets you know conflict. And, and issues for individual players who might be looking to where the grass is greener, might be unhappy in their present situation, might be having emotions bubble over that have been there for a while. It, it's still, I think, is something to keep an eye on. I, I think that, you know, we don't want to over-dramatize these things, but I'm still obviously going to report on them if they happen. It is because it's part of the deal. That's literally your job. Right. Other, because otherwise you're just the guy sitting in your office playing games on your computer all day. Uh, that's literally your job. So you have to do it. Uh, you know, I mean, look, I, I've got a few thoughts about this. I, I think Gio's comments were exactly what you'd expect him to say. Exactly kind of what he needs to say in that instance. I mean, obviously he has to sort of present that that united and calm front. And that's what, what he should have done. And, and fine. The, you know, I, I don't begrudge that at all. I think there's a, obviously an issue here. Uh, you know, it, it is true. I, I completely accept the proposition that in every team, in every season, there are locker room conflicts and things like that. And 99.9% of the time, frankly, until, until a few months ago, 100% of the time with this club, they don't really bubble up into the public sphere. Um. Now they're bubbling up in the public sphere, and, they, and it's happened twice in the last six games. And and so I don't think – I mean, I, I think it's obvious that there's an issue there. And, uh, you know, I don't know whose fault that issue is. I, I just don't have the, the knowledge and the visibility into the, the sort of situations um, to know who's, whose fault that is. Uh, I don't know if, if Ivicic is, is justifiably upset or not. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. Maybe he hasn't been training well. I mean, I, I, maybe he has been hurt. I don't know. Uh, that's not knowledge that I have, and I'm not going to speculate about it. But I also think Alias went too far. I, I, I think coming out in the media and saying, you know, I mean, as, as you put it, essentially saying that your coach is lying, using that, that word, lie, uh, that's that's – that's too far, and that's definitely not productive. It's not good for anybody, uh, and it's not productive for the locker room. Uh, and so, you know, I I don't know if he's going to play next week. I guess I'd be a little bit surprised. They don't have a ton of other options. Uh, Hunter Sulte is there. Uh, but, you know, that's that's a pretty – I mean, you know, candidly, I've been following the Timbers closely for well over a decade now. This is the first. We haven't seen somebody make that kind of a statement in the public, explicitly in the public, too. It's not like this is a hot mic situation. Like, for the purpose of public consumption uh, about about a coach. And there have been guys who have had conflicts with coaches before. 
That is, I mean, that has happened. I would venture to say dozens of times with every coach yeah. over the years. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there are constantly guys who think they should get more playing time. There are always guys who think they're, they're healthy and ready to go and, and coaches or, or training staff are holding them back. Uh, that happens all the time, but we've not seen something like this. And, and the fact that it is coming on the heels of what happened with Williamson at the end of last season in the final game of, of last season I think warrants some some real concern about whether there is a a broader problem within the locker room right now, uh, you know, and 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 I think they should be taking that seriously. And frankly, notwithstanding Geo's comments, I would bet pretty firmly that they are. Right, and Geo maintains the the notion that this is a strong locker room that they have positive relationships and that it's it's more like a family in that you're going to have disagreements with your family but the next day you'll be okay right you know a, a sibling a cousin a, a parent you know that type of dynamic but it is different tangibly because of the power dynamics at play because of the way that you know teams control individual players careers their financial fortunes um that has to be considered as well. And and this is definitely something to keep an eye on in terms of, of the broader culture within, uh, within the organization, within the team uh, in the future. In terms of the soccer that hasn't helped those emotions no. or those issues <laughs> at all, doesn't. because it's been, it's been extremely brutal. Um, what did you see Saturday beyond the, scoreless match beyond the missing players what between the lines uh is is standing out to you i saw 22 guys running around the field trying to beat each other up with wooden spoons <laughs> i mean those were two really bad teams on the field and yes there were there were injury absences there were international absences that certainly plays a part in all of this uh this was a game of of two teams who had been struggling in the opening weeks of the season and I think there was a question about who was just starting slow and who was bad. And I don't think you can come out of that game with any impression other than right now, both those teams are bad. Like two non-playoff teams right now. Technically the Timbers are somehow uh, in, in, in the, the, the above the playoff line with four points through five games. That is, that is an artifact of the moment. <laughs> if the season ended now, sir, if, this... if it ended now, your Portland Timbers who have been, let's call it abysmal the last two weeks yeah. would be playing for an opportunity to get into the playoffs in the eight, could nine matchup, the plan. <laughs> they could, they could make a run, sir, to MLS cup. The most spectacularly improbable run in the history of sports. Uh, yeah. th- I mean, those were two non-playoff teams and they were, it was it was terrible soccer to watch. It was bad soccer altogether. Uh, I thought the Timbers made some adjustments that helped them over the course of the game in the first half hour. I think Ricky Pooge was was basically getting wherever he wanted to go and was getting the ball in dangerous spots. And it frankly looked like it was going to be it was not going to be a zero zero draw uh, because it looked like you know notwithstanding their problems up up front and they have real problems up front. They have real problems on the wings. But it looked like notwithstanding those things that they were going to find a way to score a goal because they were just creating too many dangerous situations. The Timbers, I thought, did a nice job as the first half went along of quieting down Pooch, basically parking somebody in his lap, kind of took him out of the game. And after that, the Galaxy just had nothing, nothing. There were, they had no ideas about how to create a goal scoring chance once once the Timbers made it a little bit harder for for Pooch. And so, you know, I, I think the credit to the Timbers for doing that. I think the optimist's take on this game, if you want to just smoke a bunch of hopium, uh, is uh, is that, you know, we've seen sort of a pattern over the over Gio Savarese's term of them really struggling. Then him kind of stripping the things tactically down to the bones, them looking pretty dreary and dreadful, but not porous for a couple of weeks before they slowly start building back up. Certainly that's exactly what happened in 2018 when they were letting in tons of goals. They got pumped at the New York Red Bulls. I was at that game. It was brutal. Uh, And then they went to Dallas. They 
we got into the Christmas tree, they <laughs> ground out a dreadful zero zero draw and they kind of slowly built up from there. I think maybe, <laughs> maybe this performance against the galaxy could have been one of those where they just kind of stripped things down to the studs uh, and played, you know, just pretty negative. Uh, what, they had 30% possession at home against a team that's bad. <laughs> uh, pr- played pretty negative soccer just to kind of get things stabilized and not concede a ton. And they got, I mean, they got a point out of it, right? Uh, so, you know, maybe it's one of those, but man, that was, it, I mean, it wasn't good. It was just really, really bad soccer. And the Timbers played really, really bad soccer. Uh, and I think you have to, you've got to take a lot of that hopium to see this as, as a turning point at this, uh, at this stage. Maybe it will, maybe it'll end up being that, but it didn't look like it. Yeah. And the potential wake up call from said hopium addiction would be the, um, trip down to Texas and the April <laughs> schedule altogether. I and mean, the April if, schedule in general is absolutely brutal. They could play you, better soccer than they've played for the first month. And still lose all five games in April. Right. You start with this game in FC Dallas on Saturday, right? They're good. That's a place where the Timbers have gotten crushed many times before. Yes, including last time they took a trip down there last season against a less experienced FC Dallas team than there is now with a far fuller and complete roster at the time. Then you go on the road to Vancouver. Not an easy game. Not an easy game. I mean, maybe the most winnable. Of of the Most games in the month because Vancouver's not very good. No, they they are still aren't, a road game though. Yeah, still a road game, still a, a challenging um, point in the season for the Timbers as they continue to get guys back. Right, you come back home, you play the Sounders. Sounders are better than the Timbers right now by a lot, far and away by a lot. And two road games after that in Cincinnati and St. Louis, St. Louis are world beaters right now somehow, <laughs> and Cincinnati's a good team and that. All five of those games, given the current form of the Timbers, given the uncertainty of their personnel, those are five potential L's. And if that is the case, the conversation changes around this team about, you know, can we fight into the playoffs versus are we going to avoid having like the worst record in the league? And at the end of April, they'll be a quarter of the way through the season. Yeah, that's that's one quarter of the way through the year. A lot of different factors at play, a lot of other games beyond the MLS regular season that you're going to have to have to fit in to the schedule. A lot of who knows with who's going to be available. It's it's real rocky right now. And you know, it's easy for people like us to just operate in the moment, to overreact to what is currently happening. And I'm sure there were plenty of examples of that last year between both of the teams where on this podcast we we went on diatribes that ended up being completely wrong. But right now it, the vibes are pretty clearly bad. And it's it's to a point where you're wondering if they can salvage it, not when are they going to salvage it. Yeah, and they're going to have to be a lot better in order to get any meaningful number of points from these next five games. And if they don't, then we really will be in a in a place where we're going to be talking about whether they are too far behind the eight ball to get out again, just like last year. Because when March problems turn into April problems or even May problems is when seasons get lost. And that's what happened in 2022. Uh, and and it is not hard to look a, in. You don't have to stare deep into the crystal ball to see that that's a real possibility for 2023 as well. So they they do have, you know they also have Frank Bully who appears to be ready to play some minutes uh, at Dallas. We don't know if he's good yet. <laughs> so you know so I mean but, they, but that's another card in the short deck that that Savarese has been been playing with. Uh, and you know they do figure over the course of this month to get a little bit healthier uh, as as they get some guys back. Sebastian Blanco might play soccer at some point. I don't think anybody on the outside knows when that could be or whether whether he's going to be able to to be at you know at or even close to his best um but that that's also a possibility so you know but i think those are the kinds of things that the timbers are looking to for hope right now 
And I, I think when you look at where they've been and you look at the guys who they have to come back, I mean, David Ajala is, is not likely to be a savior, right? Uh, April Dairon Espria is not likely to be a savior. October Dairon Espria might be a different conversation, but April Dairon Espria is not likely to be a savior. Give the man six months. That's right. Then it's, then it's time. <laughs> That's right. Um, you know, I, I, I think Frank Bowley, whether he can be a difference maker is to, like totally remains to be seen. Oh, uh, even when you look further down the road, is Jimmy Chara going to be a savior? He's, he's been a solid guy for the, the Timbers the last few years, but I don't think he's, I mean, and he's shown when the team has looked to him to do so that he's not the kind of player who's going to put the team on his, on its, on his back. And so even with the guys who are missing, I don't think there's an obvious knight in shining armor. And and that's concerning. Yeah, I, I think if one exists, it rarely, if ever, does in this sport. But if one exists, it's Evander, right? And the jury's still out. He He's still making his way through his first season in MLS, which, yep. as we know, with a lot of these star players, it usually takes about a year before they really have their feet under them, adjust to the speed of the game in, in the league, um, and, and find their footing, if you will. And he's been hurt. So that's delayed that potential development and integration even more. He's a guy that could be a difference maker in that way, can be a legit star in MLS. But if he's playing with a bunch of guys that have been in poor form and they don't have everybody around him that they need to have around him in order for him to have some modicum of success. And without a clearly defined role. Yeah, and without a clearly defined role, that's a recipe for for continued question marks for him specifically and continued failure and struggles for the team generally. So 5.30 p.m. Pacific on Saturday at FC Dallas. Bring your Excedrin. Bring your Excedrin. BYOE. Bring your own Excedrin. (laughs) You'll be recovering from your morning mimosi with with the thornies. And uh, and yes, you will will probably need some Excedrin, not only for the hangover that you're having in the evening, which... To be clear, this is not sponsored content. No, not even remotely. Uh, we we are not sponsored by by over the counter or prescription drugs That's or right. the companies that produce them. Thankfully, this is not pharma made in Portland. <laughs> no, no, it is not. <laughs> Although the Timbers make it make it feel like it sometimes, it is not pharma made in Portland. Thankfully, but five thirty on Saturday, <laughs> and uh, that one's on Apple TV for free. Um, don't need an MLS season pass subscription for that game. That's the case for a handful throughout the season, which I think is, is good for the league to have people preview it, but also hard to justify sometimes the, the subscription when so many of them are free. I don't know. It's a, it's a weird, weird dynamic, but either way, no matter what you can watch it on that app on Saturday, um, and if you opt and to watch Ted Lasso instead of the Timbers at 5:30 on Apple TV on Saturday, I won't begrudge you. But tune in for the more fun. Yes, definitely tune in for the Thorns Saturday morning. And if it, yeah, you can choose. It's choose your own adventure for the evening. <laughs> but uh, I'll be watching both of them. I'll be covering both of them. Keep an eye for coverage of that game on OregonLive.com and both games on OregonLive.com. Uh, podcast next week we will discuss at length what happens in both of those games should be an interesting weekend regardless um any parting thoughts and any any things bothering you this week that you want to share with the world chris i mean it's let's fit in a weather made in portland segment because it's been truly bizarre and i feel like the blossoms are now totally confused because we've been bouncing like just ping-ponging back and forth between like 60 and sunny and almost snowing so or actually or snowing. actually snowing. <laughs> yeah. uh so i you know i i i would i i would like to move to a more stable uh weather pattern uh than that i i think you know the the trees and, and all that would, would also appreciate that uh and certainly the soccer watching as well 
Uh, but yeah, other than that, that's that's my biggest, I think, closing uh, closing thought. Wish the weather was I think, better. I, I I think I definitely agree with you, and I think we have found some kind of metaphor in 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 the world around us here. That's right. That's right. You ready? The, th- the thorns are the sixty and sunny. The timbers are the snowing or almost snowing. Exactly, and that is weather made in Portland for this week. It. It serves as a metaphor for the soccer watching experience of those who root for both of these clubs. Uh, and that will wrap it up for us this week on Soccer Made in Portland. Follow us on Twitter at Soccer Made in PDX. Like us, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, leave a review if you so choose. And until next week, we'll be back to chat more Tippers and Thorns. Thanks for joining us. Bye.